I want to build the wall. We need the wall. We're going to secure the border, and once the border is secured, at a later date, we'll make a determination as to the rest. But we have some bad hombres here, and we're going to get them out. Another one. Bad hombres. 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 Get them out. Get them out. Get them out. Get them out. Bad, bad hombres. 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 Bad hombres. Get them out. Bad hombres. Get them out. Get them out. Get them out. Hombres. Hombres. Bad hombres. Get them out. Welcome to Talking Chalk Season 2. I'm your host, Jamie. With me, as always, is my esteemed co-host, the artist formerly known as Mr. Busy Season himself, Ian Goodenough. When that calendar flips over to January these days, do you still get that sense of dread, Ian, or is that worn off? So uh, I still have like a mini busy season. So it used to be, uh, as for listeners who don't know, I started out in public accounting out of college. And so... um, I still work this time still really busy for me because there's year end, you know, investor reporting tax, a lot of work and stuff, but it's more of just a six week sprint rather than a, you know, three and a half month long, you know, just miserable, uh, pit of misery. Right. Right. Put it right smack dab in the middle of the MLB off season when you're trying to do your fantasy prep and like, yeah. So that was really bad timing. It actually, yeah, no, it, it works out well. It's funny, the timing, I feel like the timing of an account works out well because it's like kind of dies down with the sports season. You just have, you know, the playoff football games going on on the weekends and then you have that dead period. Now it's perfect because like I said, I have like six weeks of it. I'm usually done everything by mid-February. It gives me a solid month for draft prep. Oh, good, good. So later on, we're going to have Ricky to talk about his season. But for now, you and I are going to dissect his performance last year and talk about his team going into 2022. So I've got some notes here. Um, I guess the first thing to talk about is, hey, Ricky was in the playoffs for the first time last year. So, you know, good, yeah. good for him. Uh, yeah, the- and, you know, it's uh, the, I know we've talked about it, I feel like prior a little bit of like, so he came in with Bill and we, I remember we were talking last offseason and neither of them had made the playoffs going into the year and Ricky, uh, you know, fi- finally did it this year. So he uh, first one in. But let's talk about, did he come in with Bill or did he come in before Bill and Brendan? Uh, oh, wait a minute. Sorry, I got, I got that mixed up. You're right. Yeah. You're right. I got that mixed up uh, because Bill. No, no, no. Wait a minute. I'm rethinking about it. So Ricky came in before Bill and Brendan. Yes. And yep. then Bill and Brendan came in together. Sorry. Yeah, right. you're right. Okay. But they, but they you're all right. Kinda, that was the one year before. Right. They all kind of came in at the same time. I'll, I'll have a question about that in a well, little it's, bit. It's funny because the, the drama between some people wanted Ricky in the league and some people wanted Bill. And then it's, we kind of compromised in the end on we'll, 14th, we'll add 14th and have an expansion draft the next year. And I got, and I got Brendan in. So, yeah. Yeah. I remember we were kind of interviewing candidates and Ricky, uh, we had a sit down, uh, God, at Timothy's. at Timothy's. Yeah. Yeah. It was right. me, you, me, you speed. Uh, anybody else there? I don't, Josh was probably there, but I'm like, I don't want to know. Yeah. probably dummy in this yeah. league. <laughs> And Ricky was coming out with all these prospect names and this and that. And Josh is like, oh, he's always winning my other league. And and then, I, you know, he kind of had a rocky start there for a few years. But I remember I was pro Ricky. 
And then there was some birth, Amanda's birthday party and, and Ben figured it all out. We're going to invite Bill. And then <laughs> R- Ricky had been invited to the league by Evan. He had signed up, you know, he was a team in the league. And then classic Evan, Evan always jumping the cart before the horse. Evan booted him. And I was like, listen, that's just not <laughs> right. But you're right. We came to the great compromise of 2017 or whatever. We had a 14 team league. I, I like the 14 team league. I'm glad we've got all these guys in the league finally. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll ask a question a little it bit is, later on. It about is, that. Yeah, it is funny how it all came together. Cause I actually preferred, and I don't know how we once came to the idea or how we came to the idea of the 14 team expansion, but it just kind of is perfect for, especially what I thought. Cause I thought, you know, prior to that, there was just free agency was a little too deep and replacement levels a little too right. high. I feel like now with the way we've, I don't know if it's we added an extra hitter and we had 14 or how we moved it around, but I feel like right now is like the optimal roster and team, you know, lineup and configuration that it, you know, there, you can mine for agency for guys, but it's, it's hard. It's not easy. Yeah. Adding the extra infielder, the extra outfielder, you're right. It made things more difficult, more opportunity to build like a really good team rather than kind of luck into, you know, only having 10 hitters, like, if you, especially if you're keeping six or seven hitters, it's easy enough to build that offense. But now it's a little bit deeper and two extra teams. Yeah, free agency is uh, is tough treading there. It makes it hard. Yeah, it makes it hard to get into the playoffs. Uh, the other thing, I think it spurred more trades because uh, before, like I said, the, the replacement level being so high, uh, you know, you weren't really willing to trade for kind of guys who were, you know, other than making big trades for trying to consolidate keepers or other like that. It's like now it's like you trade for guys like, I don't know, I think of like a guy like a Chris Taylor or like right. other guys like that, that are like, they're having their good year. They're not keepers, but they're valuable trade pieces because, you know, you don't have top 200 players sitting in free agency. Yeah. They're like C plus guys where previously free agency was full of like C's and C minuses. And there was no reason to trade for that C plus guy. Yeah. But now free agency is like D's and F's. And it's and like, now you know it's, I mean, it's, all, it's, it's almost hard finding regular at bats at points right. sometimes, especially the way teams platoon guys and all that. It's just, I don't know. It's really, uh, it's evolved nicely. I think for our league, uh, for at least from my perspective. Yeah. You really look at those role players differently, almost similarly. I imagine to like the major league teams, you know, it's not about building all superstars. You need to have those role players, those one-year guys. And now our league is more similar to that. Yeah. And then we even have a little bit of like the DFS aspect too of, you know, guys like I know Mook does it a lot. I don't do it as much. Other guys, you'll do it sometimes, but like you'll, you might have a rotating roster spot where it's like, oh, you have so and so facing a righty who right. only, you know, only hits left handed and he only, and his own team only maybe even platoons him. So it's like you see, you see he's starting against a righty. So it's like, oh, I'll pick him up and throw him in today. And you'll, some guys will just have rotating roster spots like that as well. So it's, uh, I don't know, it creates a lot of different strategies, I think. Yeah, Trevor was always good at the DFS before we kind of limited the moves, but still probably does it a little bit. But I think I think even now it's more of a true DFS. Like what Trevor was doing, I think was just kind of churning right. as many at bats as possible. Like I know Mook is really like like I said, he's he's good about it. Of like just kind of he he looks at those pitching matchups day to day and tries to find you know tries to find edges in the like DFS hitters. So. I was going to wait a little bit before we got into it, but since we brought it up, let's, uh, let's revisit 
that for a second because again not a lot of people were pro ricky again ben had this huge man crush on bill we got to get bill in the league got to get bill he was heartbroken like so that's why we're 14 teams that and bill now. bill went to high school with the majority of the league right. and so, played baseball particularly with ben and andrew so yeah right seems like a nice guy which sometimes it seems like this league is short on so like i'm always happy to add <laughs> bills and brendan's and you know ricky's to the league so no it's worked out well but of those three guys, the Brendan, Bill, and Ricky, do you think any of them have really separated themselves from like that? Trio I think it's totally different things. I mean, Brendan had kind of instant success, right. I'd say. Uh, you know, obviously a terrible first year, but that's to be expected. Uh, you know, he was competing and had a really good team. I think it was his second year. I think he's also separate. So he separated from himself in that regard. But I think in the other regard, he's also been quicker to separate from them in kind of taking on more creative strategies right. of the league of, you know, kind of thinking outside the box on things, you know, going hard into, you know, claiming guys, you know, not saying that any of this stuff is work or separates him necessarily from a performance standpoint and makes him better than them, but he's, he's both, he's had more deeper, I guess you'd say playoff success or standing success, but also on the other hand has, you know, stretched out on the, you know, trying different strategies more. Uh, I think, I think Bill, um, Bill is kind of evolving a lot in that aspect, but he's probably a little bit slower in, in kind of doing that and kind of getting outside the box a little bit. He's been pretty traditional. Um, and Ricky, Ricky brings a whole another dynamic of like, right. the, like we say with duty, man, the big, the big time, you know, always willing to make trades, even, even if it seems like sometimes a trade just to make a trade, right. uh, but he's always, you know, looking for the big name trade, uh, you know, not scared to trade guys. So all different guys, but I'd say, so it's weird. I don't know. They've kind of, so Ricky separates himself. I think, I think I hate to, for lack of a better word, Bill has been the most vanilla of the three. Right. And there, Bill had a year or two there. I'm not, I don't think he made the playoffs, but he was in that like seven, eight spot. Like he had pretty good teams. And, and from the same point, I think, yeah, the other guys have been more variable in that Ricky's right, been more down. towards the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. But Brendan's obviously been, you know, like a, a little bit of a higher seed or he's been last place as he was this year. Uh, Bill's been that similar how speed was. I feel like the first few years in the league of like, was just kind of coasting in that just sub playoff kind of, you know, territory, the, the bottom of the muck as we call it. Right. He had, he had judge and Cole and like Brendon kind of powering that like as a baseline, pretty decent keeper set. And then, you know, put together parts. And I think we've looked at his drafts before we like a lot of his picks, uh, but yeah, kind of like that, that middle ground. And like you said, Brendan had that season where he was the two seed and then has not had much success since aside from being creative with rebuilding. And then Ricky, again, duty is a perfect comparison. That's exactly who I, I would compare him to. Uh, but you know, this year he, he made the playoffs for the first time, uh, still had a lot of trade activity. I'm not sure looking at some of these trades, whether they helped or hurt in the long run. But again, when you're a guy making six, seven, eight eight deals a, uh, a year like that, that adds a lot of volatility and a lot of possibility to really have a good season. And, I, and like you said, I don't know how successful or how much these deals helped him in that regard. Uh, I mean, I actually, I mean, I could say a couple of them did, you know, you could argue about what he paid up. He paid up a lot of picks, but there definitely was this sense from Ricky this year of after, and it probably was from not making the playoffs before that, you know, he was in the playoff standings and he continued to make this year moves to 
secure his spot or keep, you know, loading up his team, uh, you know, best that he thought. So it seemed like he was very, you know, all in, although, you know, you know, probably never thought he was necessarily a top team. He was, he was pedal to the metal going to the playoffs. It seemed like. Yeah. And you're right. He made kind of early trades to go for it. Like he traded on May 17th with Brendan for Nick Solak or Nick Solak. So he had had a, a pretty good start. I think he had like seven home runs over the first uh, month and a half. Uh, he was batting 264. So Ricky gave up a sixth round pick for him. That was kind of out of the blue. Brendan signaled, hey, I'm selling early. This might be an orange that's, you know, out of juice or uh, maybe out of juice after this first <laughs> month and a half. And, Sol- and Solak went on to uh, post sub, uh, sub 500 OPSs in June and July. Probably yeah. was dropped. I'm looking at the splits before Ricky traded for him and after Ricky traded for him. And yet basically the day Ricky traded for him, he died. He batted 222 <laughs> the rest of the season. He had four home runs over his remaining half season, five stolen bases over, over the remaining half season. ISO under a hundred, like it, it was bad. Uh, slug or OPS around 600. Like it, it was non-rosterable basically. And a sixth round pick, you know, that early on, I do like, you know, when you buy in May, it gives you a longer period of time to take advantage of a guy uh, if he's good. But this was a case of kind of buying an orange early. And there's another example that kind of snuck up on me as I was looking, uh, the Chris Taylor trade with with. Uh, so, yeah, Trevor. that that was one that I, I think helped him out. Now, I, you know, and I use that as an example, obviously, in talking about this, but uh, Taylor actually, you know, continued to have a good year, uh, from the point that Trevor traded him. I mean, I thought he was playing above his skis when he was playing, you know, for Trevor and then Trevor got a nice little price for him. Uh, but I feel like he continued and I'm double checking right now. Yeah. I've got, uh, I've got the splits on that too. So Ricky traded. Oh for God. Him. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. And <laughs> Taylor, Taylor was batting 277, 10 home runs, eight <laughs> stolen bases, about half a season. So that's pretty good after he traded for him again, the day after it like fell off the face of the earth that at 228 wow. still put up some counting stats 10 home runs five stolen bases and that was that like I which is I not bad looking at, i remember looking at ricky's team and like looking you know like the 30 days or whatever probably when i was playing him and like i think chris taylor still had a decent rank because of the counting stats it, it, it was and th- that rank was inflated a little bit by the first half of the season where he put up in but the- i'm saying even when you did the like the rolling 30 days like right you know what I mean? After he traded for him, it seemed like he did. You, yeah. You look at the numbers and the OPS went to hell and all that, but yeah, there was some counting stat stuff there playing for LA. Yeah. So he ended the season as a 98th overall, which is, you know, a good one year type player. But again, it seemed like Ricky got the raw end of that where most of the stats were accumulated uh, with Trevor prior. Rick, yeah. Ricky gave up a pretty good pick. I think it was a third round pick. Uh, and then he also gave up yep. Kirilov who, you know, hasn't done anything yet, but I know there's several of us in the league that if we had the opportunity to keep a guy like that, if we are rebuilding like Trevor and we are retooling, that's one of the targets that we would go after. Yeah. Kirilov has been, I mean, I've been a fan of him. I know obviously because like you said, very well regarded as a prospect around the league uh, or around our league particular. Uh, also um, it, what was interesting, that deal was interesting from it. I want to ask Ricky about this of like, he gets Steven Strasburg thrown in there and then ends up trading Strasburg to Brendan like a couple weeks later, I think for uh, Gliber Torres, which is another interesting deal because, because he had Lindor go down, which is another thing we got to ask him about. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I think that's probably the, 
the, of the trades that were the most interesting that you want to kind of see his perspective and we'll get to the next one, the, the Snell one, it was definitely the trading, trading away Kirilov and then getting, um, getting Snell too in a different deal. Yeah. This motherfucker trades for Snell four days after I trade him to Josh, I'm, I'm shopping Snell. Like no one wants him. Like he's just, yeah. Shit. And then suddenly boom, he gets retraded. I'm like, what the hell? So, oh yeah, I forgot you traded him to Josh first, then Josh flipped him to Ricky. Ah, oh, yeah, okay, I remember that. Now. You're right, I totally forgot about that too. And then he started pitching. He went on a tear, pitching well for probably like like I feel like it was like eight starts or something like that. Like he started pitching pretty well. I don't know if it was that long. So he he abandoned his shitty uh, changeup or whatever and just went you know fastball uh, slider, which he he should have been in the first place. And he he had several starts there. I want to say it's like two or three. I don't think it was eight uh, where he. He pitched that seven innings, 13 strikeouts, and you're like, he's back. And that's the yeah. thing we said about Snell. Like, for a guy who's kind of figured it out before, it's not like you're trading for a mediocre pitcher that's always been mediocre. Like, he's he's had it before. Like, he just needs to find it again. Um, and, you know, for a start or two there, it seemed like he had. So here's why it probably felt like a lot longer to me. I faced every good Snell start this year. Because uh, I remember he was pitching like garbage – I played you in the middle of the year and he had his one good start for you, like against me. It was his first quality start in whatever, in two years, I think. And, uh, and then, so then you traded him to Perry, Perry traded to Ricky. I run into Ricky, you know, towards the end of the season and I Snell pitched great against me too. So. Yeah. Ricky was part of that skid that you had the last three or four weeks where he went nine and three, nine and three against you in the second to last week, basically sealing your fate almost. Uh, and yes, yeah, Snell had seven innings pitched, 10 strikeouts, shutout, whip of 0.29. So yeah, yeah it's like, come on. Got, you got hit with Snell's two good starts last year. Yeah. So uh, that's why it seems like he pitched well. And I don't know. That'll be an issue. I assume he keeps him. I don't know. That's something I, I was trying to write down who like the lock of Ricky's keepers were. And he has a lot of interesting decisions. You know, Snell's, Snell's one of those. Yeah, I'll say Ricky's team to me historically has always been highlighted by like those shortstops. For some reason, he traded, you know, for a bunch of shortstops or accumulated the Trey Turner, Francisco Lindor, uh, the Javier Baez. Lindor, unfortunately, had you know down season, but Turner basically took a step to like the upper echelon. Uh, I think he fulfilled that promise that everyone thought he had for. Yeah, I, I years think at there. this point, yeah. But other than being before it was, you know, Turner was stolen bases and not really going to hurt you hitting or help you out a little hitting, not, you know, not the elite numbers, you know, probably a little short on power, you know, an OPS and all that, but was going to hit for a good average and steal bases and, and put up some of their counting stats. I mean, he put himself into the the upper echelon with some extra power, still stealing bases, you know, the 900 OPS, all that. Yeah. And now he's on the Dodgers, which now he's on a, you know, one of the best teams, counting stats, all that, Uh, you know, yeah. Obviously, I'd say definitely a top five player going into this next year. Probably argue that he's up on that tier with with like Tatis and right. and Soler. Or sorry, not Soler. Um, Soto. Yeah, maybe maybe two or three years older than them. You know, obviously they're the younger, newer phenoms. But Turner really came into his own. He was the second from ranked, a, ranked player last. From year. a health perspective, yes, yeah, second ranked player last year. Uh, don't have the health concerns of Tatis. Uh, obviously you know, Soto doesn't add as much in the stolen bases. We, I always feel like the stolen bases are a big bonus, especially if they're giving you the offensive numbers too. And short, uh, shortstop yeah. second base is better than outfield uh, as well. So yeah, 
Ricky's team. I don't know. Of, I feel like that can, yeah, maybe I'm just true. blessed with, I'm blessed with the infield town. I had a hard time filling out my outfield last year. Right. And then he's got Walker Bueller, who basically, again, took a similar step as Trey Turner, where Bueller's arguably a top five pitcher, uh, if not higher. Yeah, he's on. Yeah, I'd say you'd put him. You'd, I feel like there's always that top tier where there's like three or four pitchers who are on their own. Would, would you put Bueller up there? Uh, I mean, I think dynasty asset wise, given his age and performance, he's definitely top five uh, for me. But not so much maybe going into. I don't know, like a one year league. Maybe, on a one-year league, not. yeah. Maybe yeah. you take one of those veterans that has been around for a few more years. Um, but I think dynasty so, wise. So all awesome. players player on the player raider last year. Uh and I don't I hope this is right. It has Bueller as the top pitcher. Yeah, he's the seventh ranked overall player. Seventh ranked player whose top pitcher went Bueller, Scherzer, Wheeler, Robbie Ray, Corbin Burns. You know what the crazy thing about Walker Bueller is? 27 quality starts. Quality starts. Yeah, it's that insane. is an insane. Uh, yeah. number you know when we sub one whip when we first started talking about adding quality starts there's a few people that weren't big fans they talked about i, I know i wasn't six innings three three and in runs that's too easy you know but the thing is like most good pitchers only get 20 quality starts maybe 19 quality starts out of i think yeah 32 20 is a great number yeah 20 yeah. uh i feel like 20 is like the the 20th quality starts in our league is, is the equivalent to a hundred runs or a hundred RBIs, right. you know, it, it, it's that, that round number, big threshold. That's like, Oh yeah. He had a really good year. It's like, I'm going to get a quality start two out of every three times. This guy pitches basically 20 yeah. out of 32, but Bueller was, I mean, let alone just making, making 32 starts is hard in the league too, but and yeah. Bueller 27 out of, you know, 32, that's like, yeah. like an 85% compared to like a 66% conversion rate. That's kind of how I look at it. Uh, yeah. Quality starts yeah it's automatic. Time. And I, and I had, uh, I remember I had Granky the one year, I think he had 29 or 30 quality starts out right. of like 32 starts. It was, it's insane. It's like, you couldn't, I don't know. It's, it'd be hard to repeat that just uh, even as good as you are. I mean, you look at guys like, you know, even, even like Brandon Woodruff and, and Corbin Burns just got to, you know, 20 and 18. And Jul Julio Urias, who again, uh, Ricky, that was a great pick by him. We've talked about that. Almost had very similar stats to Bueller in terms of ERA and whip but only had 13 quality starts instead of 27. So that's like, just yeah, that I, huge double. Quality that, starts. I mean, it says, it says as not to take anything away from Urias, it says how good Bueller is. And I think why he's on that top tier, like I'm saying of that, you know, top four pitchers, whatever you call it, that kind of separates themselves is because as good as Urias was, Bueller is so separated by him because he has the exact same rate stats and, you know, all that, but with just so much more volume and, right. and quality starts. There's that, there's that, like that space that good young pitchers sit in for a while where they pitch five innings for eight, eight Ks, you know, one or two earned runs. You're happy with that, but like they never get to that sixth inning. Like it's, they have control issues or the manager doesn't trust them to go that deep. And then they kind of take that next step and suddenly they're the, the Zach Wheeler going six, seven, eight, nine innings. And that's just like that next tier of fantasy baseball starter. And Urias has not made that jump yet, whereas Bueller certainly has. But I would say looking at Urias, he made a very encouraging. Oh, if, absolutely. If that's, you know what I mean? If th that's the third step, he made the step one to step two jump for right. sure this year. Yeah. Uh, so you hope that he makes then the next step. Uh, so, I mean, and if he does, I mean, Ricky, that's a hell of a combination of young established pitchers on great, on a great 
very smart team for Ricky to have. And right before we bring in Ricky here too, like I feel like Starlin Marte, you need to mention him last year. I wanted to bring him up because he's just the, he's the guy and he's been on a lot of teams in this league. I feel like, you know, you've gone from Trevor traded to Brendan when he was suspended, Brendan traded him to Ricky. And he's a guy that five years ago when that deal happened or whatever, you would have thought, oh yeah, Marte's not good anymore at this age, but he continues to, because he's a high strikeout guy. Oh, not a, not a super high strikeout guy, but he's an aggressive guy. Uh, you know, doesn't walk a ton, almost a little bit like Adam Jones was, um, it, you know, relying on his physical talent. You'd think, oh, once he hits 30, that's going to go away. He's the exact same player he was at 27 now at 33 or whatever. And he's still doing it. He's still stealing bases. Still, you know, he's giving you the, the 2020 seasons and right. with good rate stats. And, and last year, it wasn't quite 20 home runs, but it was 47 stolen bases. And I feel like fewer and fewer teams and players are running these days. So stolen bases become even and more I didn't know it was 47. Yeah, re- shit. Remember, he got traded to the A's and basically stole like 20 bases over his next 23 games. He just ran like a madman over like a three or four week period once he got traded. Uh, so it's kind of wild. I think he's, you know, obviously he at some point he's going to hit a wall. You can't necessarily be a 36 year old that steals a ton of bases, but he's right in that you kind of early 30 sweet spot of where, you know, he bat 300 last year with 47 home run or 47 stolen bases. You'll take it on your team every single time. Yeah. And how many home runs? I mean, it's not like he didn't hit any, it was only 12. So it wasn't quite that. Oh, like wow. 20. Okay. Yeah, that's so, a lot lower. Yeah. But, but you know, and going to Oakland didn't help there, but Hey, you take the 47 stolen take, bases. Exactly. And then you get a big bopper. That's going to hit 35 home runs and only steal eight bases and they balance each other perfectly and that's the last point i'll make on his team i thought when i was looking it over today before the pod it's like and i remember the same thought in the season like he other than trey turner he doesn't have anybody i mean you look i'm just looking at even just his stats from last year there's only two guys with over an 800 ops well three if you count muncie and then Baez was a little higher but like he doesn't have a ton of those guys that are big you know, counting stats and the RBIs, home runs and, right. and OPS. But, you know, when you're getting 47 stolen bases from Marte, 32 from Turner, and you have Walker Bueller, it's, it's kind of, you know, it doesn't have the eye catching, you know, star, star power, I guess you'd say, or whatever that jumps out at you, you know, where he doesn't have those weeks where he hits 18 home runs and hits 50 RBIs, you know what I mean? Right. But he's competing every week in the stolen bases. He pitches well. Uh, it, Combos up for a competitive team. Yeah, made the playoffs last year. So let's get uh, let's get Ricky in here and get his perspective on last year uh, and where he's going in the future. Then, all right, Ricky, welcome to Talking Chalk. Glad to have you on as a guest in this off season. We haven't been able to talk to you yet. I feel like I at least don't get a lot of contact with you because I'm not part of any of the group chats. I know some of the <laughs> other folks get to uh, get your flavor uh, every day, but uh, looking forward to talking about your team. How's it going? Not too bad. How about you guys? Doing well, doing Whoa. well. So let's yeah. let's jump in. Uh, you made the playoffs last year. You know, talk us through your year. Like, what were your expectations coming into last year? Your draft. How do you think that went? Were there any big like matchups or trades that really let you know that, Hey, this is the year I need to push for the playoffs and then have things end for you. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I I think going into the year um, I had a pretty good keeper set. So I I think that, you know, going in, I had a feeling that I could compete, you know, to try to make a playoff run for the first time. Um, 
and and going into the draft, I I, I think if I you know kind of hit on on some picks, especially with me picking a little early at number three, um, you know, I think it set me up to for a good season. So you know, at three, I got Urias, so I, I was pretty happy with the guy that I got. You know, with both Perry, I think duty went Maeda and and. and Ryu, right? I think they were the first two. Yeah, picks. it went it went Maeda, Ryu, then Urias. Right. So I, I felt like I targeted him the whole time. I had a feeling that I would be able to get him at three, unless somebody kind of just like jumped in front of me. But to get to kind of get him, to get to get Muncy, to get Jansen, to get Mountcastle, I, I think I had a solid core of of some draft picks to kind of you know mold my my roster. Um, you know, and and kind of leading into the season, you know, I think everything went well. You know, I was kind of at the top of the pack for a little, for a good bit, um, try to fight for the buy. But unfortunately, I, I just feel like I, I suffered a lot of injuries, um, you know, even towards the end with like Lindor being out. And even in the beginning, I think I missed a whole first six weeks of Cabrian Hayes, Marte being out. So that we had my rookie guy, my, my keeper guy, um, kind of missing those first few weeks. And then, you know, and, and then, you know, I, I had a feeling that I, I wasn't good as is and, with everybody kind of willing and dealing, I had to get a part of the mix to try to make a push, to try to make a run. Um, and then that's why, you know, some some of the some of the drafts, I mean, I'm sorry, some of the trades that I did, you know, kind of didn't work for me, but I, I, I had to do what I had to do, um, especially with like Snell. I know I kind of overpaid for that, but I figured, you know, that might have been something that, you know, I could look as a potential keeper and maybe help me with some upside, especially that. You know what I mean? Coming from Perry's team, and, and I think he got him from you as well, Jamie. So, mm-hmm. um, but it's like right when I got him, he goes down. Uh, I got my Ada; he's out for the rest of the year. Um, you know, I trade for Strasburg, doesn't come back. I have to move him for uh, for Torres. So, um, you know, I, I think that you know a few things kind of didn't go my way when 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 it really mattered. I mean, and it's not that's no excuse. All of us suffered through the the pandemic and injuries and, and things of that nature. So. Um, you know, I just feel like if a couple of things would have went my way, I think uh, I could have made a better run and, you know, beat Housky in that first round. But, um, but yeah, I think that's how kind of the season went for me. Pretty happy making the playoffs, though. I mean, you've been in the yeah. uh, league a few years. Um, first first season in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. yeah was- I'd say, yeah, just a successful year on that point anyway of cracking that to get into the playoffs. And, and I mean, although you traded away picks, I'd say, it's you got this really nice young core of, you know, Turner's, you know, at his prime, you'd say, but, you know, and, and he's established himself as an elite fantasy player. But then, you know, we were before you came on, we were gushing about the Urias and Walker Bueller combination uh, and how young they are. Right. So it's like you got to, you know, although you'll be missing some picks this year, you made the playoffs the first time. It seems like you have a nice kind of interesting young or very talented young core. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, I think it was, you know, it, it was good to, to feel that I could compete this year that I kind of stayed in that in that pack throughout the whole year. I really never slipped. Um, so so that was promising. And on top of, you know, me having a young keeper set, me drafting a couple of young guys like Mount Castle, like Urias to, to kind of go into next year with, you know, I, I think I have some upside. And, and like you mentioned, Goody, I know that I don't have those draft picks, but I think this is going to be another big year, not only for for my team, but for a lot of teams that, you know, we really got to lock in and, and make sure that those draft picks are, are really worth it, you know, um, yeah. because it could be a bad draft could could ruin anybody's season for those top teams that gave up all those picks during the year. Yeah, your, your draft last year, looking at the first four rounds, you made six picks. It was Urias, Muncie, Kluber, Kenley Jansen, 
Mount Castle, who had a great season, Kyle Lewis. So it felt like you hit on like at least four of those guys as being yeah. awesome. I mean, Yuri was a home run. Um, and Mount, Mount Castle, Castle was one yeah. that like, I didn't even think he would go that early. That was one that I felt like you kind of uh, planned your flag right. on, so to speak, and made sure to get him in that, which I feel like that fourth right. and fifth round is a great area to do that type of move. And, and that really worked out well. Right. Yeah. And it's crazy. It's crazy that you both say that though, because out of those four, four out of those six guys, those other two guys suffered like season ending injuries, right. you know, like they were out for most of the year. Like Kyle Lewis, I, don't, I think I might've got what a hundred at bats from him. If that 50, you but know, like, it's, it's just that hit rate of hitting like four of those six picks, you know, everyone feels right. good coming out of their draft. Like, Oh, I aced it. But you know, three right. weeks, four, four weeks into the season, you're like, Oh, it was shit. Like you look at some of the top of these draft boards and like, it's I, ugly. I mean, I, if you look at this, I, I lost my third or fourth round pick within the first week of the season and Rosenthal right. and Paxton. <laughs> right. It's crazy. It's, so the fact that like you, you made those solid picks, they panned out for you, like really helped you this year. And you did bring up, like you had some extra picks last year, not a ton, but some extra. Whereas right. this, this upcoming season, you're going to be in a position that I don't think you've been in before where you really do not have a lot of picks, my friend. Uh, it is, <laughs> it is bare bones of your first eight rounds. You only have your second, fifth and eighth. So really right. of the top seven rounds, you only have a second and a fifth. So you can show up right. like four, four hours into the draft and probably be <laughs> fine. But yeah, that, right. that's an adjustment that a lot of teams that make the playoffs, you know, more often have to do every single season. And it, it's difficult. Like you're, you're getting deep into it before you can pick your first guy. So I'd, I'd be interested, like how your draft prep is going to be different without all those extra picks. Yeah, not not only that, you know, that's a great point. But not only that is that I feel like I have such a influx of players to choose from. You know, there's going to be a good amount of guys that I'm going to lose that are are going to be top guys taken in the draft. You know, especially a, a lot of my younger guys. You know, I know we were kind of talking in the group chat, like Monksy going one point one or whoever I drop. For, you know, whether it be Cabrian Hayes, it, 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 I'm going to have a lot of tough decisions to make with a lot of well, my young guys. Whenever, yeah, for context, Jamie, whenever somebody's brought up, Brennan just chimes, right. who like somebody's like, I might not be able to keep him. Brennan's like, I'm taking him 1-1. <laughs> right, right. So, um, yeah, so it, it's it's going to be, you know, a, a tough kind of strategy that I, that I have to overcome. Um, but it, it's more so like, am, am I picking the right keeper set, you know, going in because, you know, it's kind of hard to lose, like let Marte go after that great year, you know, he was solid in, but it's like, do I keep an older guy over, you know, that might be over the hill next year. Am I keeping them one year too late and kind of, you know, stay with one of these younger guys. Um, so that, that's the decisions that I, yeah, that is myself. tough. And we were actually, we were talking about Marte before how he just continues to right. have those skills of you wouldn't think he'd be doing it in his, in his thirties, like he is right now. And like, you worry about him when he'll hit a wall, but I would have right. said three years ago, he would have hit a wall by now and he keeps doing it. So. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's going to be tough, a tough one for me, but you know, I guess like, it's a good problem to have. At least I have a, a good amount of players that I could choose from. And, and now it's kind of, you know, just, just stacking my chips, right. And hopefully I get bingo. Right. That's, that's the kind of way I look at it. <laughs> so who are your bubble players? Like who are the four or five guys that you have to choose three of? Yeah, so I was looking. It's um, it's definitely going to be like your Muncie's, your Cabrian Hayes, you know, Mount so, Castle really wasn't. So like I always, I always like with people. I like to go with this kind of build from the way up. Like 
And the way I had it is like, you know, your, your top tier guys that are no doubt are Turner, Bueller, Urias, right? Right. And then, so then uh, who after that is obviously not as good as those three, but are guys that you're like, okay, yeah, I, I definitely need to be keeping them as well. Yeah, I definitely have to keep Lindor um, just because it's Lindor. And, you know, I'm hoping that a second season in New York, you know, he can kind of bounce back to his, you know, MVP caliber days. So I think that'd be four. Um, a guy that it's going to be a tough, you know, that I know is going to be a hot commodity, but, you know, even though he's, he strikes out a lot is, is, is Javi, you know, mm-hmm. is the new scenery going to be good for him? Is it, you know, is it going to be kind of a downgrade in his career? So he's someone that I really got to, you know, make an important decision on. And those are both guys that I feel like you you've held on to for a while, but right. they're still pretty. They're still not old, you know. I, right. I don't know how you drop Javier Baez. Like I know he's definitely a, know. a fifth keeper. Like right. Then you got your Marte, your Mountcastle, your Muncie, your That's you eight. know, like your 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 Snell. You know, right. like you you have. I have a lot of guys now that I feel like I I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be in a position where it just makes it really difficult. Like which route so I want to go. So you're kind of in the, those five guys, the Turner, Bueller, Urias, then Lindor and Javi, and then you're kind of picking three from the rest. Yeah, kind of picking three from the rest. I guess it was a blessing in disguise that Sixto got hurt all year. That was another, you know, a downer yep. for me. I was really hoping on, you know, him helping my team out. I really think if I had a full year of him, he would have been helpful. But if I did, I would have also been in another predicament where I might have to keep him as well. Right. You know, depending on the type of year that he had. So. Um, and, guess, and sorry. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go no, on about six, I got something after that. Uh, yeah. so I, the other thing I just like in talking about the keeper set and you're kind of talking about, Oh, I got a bunch of guys and I got to pick three out of, did that play into, because something else we thought was really interesting about your season was trading away Kirilov. Obviously somebody who hasn't totally established himself yet, but somebody who, if you listen to the pod, probably when the trade you heard, we say, you know, I like him. Jamie likes him. Housekey loves him. Right. Trevor obviously likes him. You know, a very well, he's been a, a very hot commodity prospect around the league. I'm sure people have asked you about him in prior years too. Uh, right. And then, so was, did that play into your thinking of trading him of he wasn't rookie keepable and you had a bunch of these guys and, and he was hurt and I don't know, I'll, I'll let you go and kind of go with us. What, yeah. what kind of went into your head on that deal? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, and, and like you mentioned, I love them as well. I really didn't want to give him up. You know, he was the guy that I was targeting that that rookie draft when, you know, he was eligible to be taken at that time. Um, but not only that, like you like you mentioned, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to rookie keep him. I knew that he was going to have to be a part of my rookie set, uh, my keeper set. Um, and then with everything else like I was looking at, I was like, even if I kept him on my team, you know, even if I didn't trade him, I wouldn't be able to keep him. So I think it just made sense that, I may have been getting the highest value from him at that time to maybe help me for that playoff push, you know, and even though I traded for, you know, Strasburg and it didn't work out for me, you know, which I ended up flipping for Glaber anyway. Um, I just knew that at that time, that might be the highest value that I was going to get. And then he ends up getting hurt himself. So it was just, um, yeah, that was really my thought process is I knew I wasn't going to be able to keep him not only on the re- rookie, but also as, as my, as one of my eight. So. I had to, I had to get them gone. I think it's interesting though. Like obviously you had Mount Castle emerge there and it's like Mount Castle's not the, uh, the name or had the, the prospect shine of Kirilov, but 
I right. mean, you're talking about a guy who, you know, in his first full season had a, you know, was ranked as a top hundred player. And so it kind of, in a way, in a way kind of replaces Karoloff, I guess, if you end up, if you end up going that route of keeping Mountcastle. Yeah. And I think it also helped that Mullins play so well batting in front of him. You know what I mean? It, it just really, I think it really kind of set Mountcastle up for a good year and, you know, um, the Orioles normally have nobody. It's good to see they got right. a couple of guys that. Right. Yeah. So, it, and, but that, that's also a risk that I would, I'm taking too, you know, with, with the team that he plays for, what if next year now they pitch around them and now he's not seeing as many, you know, good pitches that he's seen this pre previous year, you know, th those are all risks, but I, I know that we all, you know, have to make tough decisions. It's, it just feel like I never had throughout, you know, my time with, with the league, you know, this is going to be the toughest, the toughest choices that I have to make. And I know I'm going to be losing a, a good amount of players for sure. Ricky, I, like like I always say, though, good problems to have. You got to right. be dropping guys you like if you're a good team. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Ricky, what's it going to be like not keeping a relief pitcher? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like every year you're the guy who keeps Kenley Jansen or yeah. Chapman. Or Rolda Chapman, yeah. Right, right. right. Um, yeah, it's going to be the first year for sure. I mean, I guess it's a good thing. I, you know, there, there were years where I really had no choice. You know, they were my next best guy i think even the prior year like who did i have a chance to keep before all this i i don't even know who it was but then i looked back on it it, it really i don't think it would have made a difference if they weren't better than them at the time let, let um, me tell you with with so few draft picks you're not going to get those guys back so you know i know i know. think <laughs> think fondly on the memories you have yeah of those elite yeah, yeah say, your, say your goodbye say your goodbyes when you post that final keeper list on uh know. you know so whatever that saturday night for the draft Right. Yeah. So I'm definitely probably going to be tanking saves, but you know, I'm, I'm hoping to take the same approach that a lot of you guys take, especially like someone like Pat, where they, they just try to buy it when, when they need it. So if I see that I'm doing well and. Or, you know. or so no, Pat just hop, Pat always picks up a guy and then he'll tell you that he has that team's right. closer. Right. Even. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So he uh, declares. Yeah. He declares. Yeah. Pat. Pat's the one, he's got more power over who does saves, it seems like, in his mind in this league than the managers do. Right. right. Yeah, so that's going to have to probably be my strategy. You know, I'm going to have to fill out my roster with those, you know, the second, the fifth, and the eighth, and then kind of play about here and see, you know, how the rest of my roster fills out. You know, try to, if I can get a back-end closer on, you know, a, like a team like the Rockies or one of those, you know, Orioles or not a top closer, but still able to get saves, you know, I think that'll help me at first until I'm able to kind of push push my chips in to get a top tier closer if they become available. Rick, Ricky, what was the uh, the Kumar Rocker situation like going through that? This oh, man. We broke, was, we broke I, league rules. We like... It figures it would have been me, you know? Yeah, it, just, yeah. it figures it would have been me. Like, that, that's just, I, I feel like sometimes that's just the luck that, I'm, that I have with, with the keepers, especially like someone like Sixo and then not hitting on Kirill off. I mean, I did hit on Walker Bueller. Thankfully, when a rookie kept in, but you hit, um, a, you hit a damn home run. Yeah, but um, yeah, with 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 Kumar, I was hoping honestly Perry took him. I was trying to sell Perry to take him so I can get lighter, you know. But um, he already knew what his mind was, and you know we were talking about it back and forth on the chat, and um, you know I I I still think that you know if hopefully he could recover from the whole elbow thing or the whatever the situation is with him you know he could be an asset for me maybe later down the road but i guess what for is now, the deal I, did he have did he have so he finally did he finally sign with the he finally signed with the mets right 
Yeah, he signed early too. We remember. Okay, all right. but that, but did he did he end up needing to get surgery? I I think they were saying that he was going to need surgery. I don't know if he ended up getting it yet. I don't. Do you know Jamie? I don't know if he ended up getting it yet. He was drafted, but is not signed. So he's still not signed. Would right. would the deadline be coming up? That'd be funny. <laughs> Man, sorry. It is funny. So I think it's funny because this was such MLB drama and everything. Right. Because you know, like you know, MLB Network and ESPN were saying he was signed, and then all of a sudden, a few days later, they're like, "No, he's not signed." So like, this was very rare for just you right. know. And we joked about you know he had dinner with Steve Cohen. Like you know, I just assume <laughs> when you have dinner with Steve Cohen, you know, you get a, you get a bag of you get a bag of cash, and then you're a Met. Like right. you know, right. then he tweets uh, it out. Yeah, that he tweets right. it out. Like, uh, so it was a bizarre storyline, I think, just by MLB standards, but it made it even more bizarre by our league standards in that our rule is, you know, when a guy is signed is when he's eligible. But I don't know, it put us in a tough spot. I remember us having to pick it out. I was like, well, we all just kind of acted like he was signed. So, you right. know, we were all in that. Unfortunately, now it's like we got to actually, you know, I got to start verifying these things. Yeah. Like second contracts right. and shit. I guess essentially, you know, like you got, I think we were <laughs> speaking about in the chat. I guess I own the rights to him, yeah. you know, if he, if he signs or whatever. But yeah, I mean, maybe I should have just sat on it another year, you know. Um, but, you know, if, just just the way that he looked at Vandy and, you know, I, I thought he was going to be promising and it was going to be him or lighter for me. And, you know, I thought I was going to have another so good you, young prospect there. Yeah. So do you see yourself uh, with obviously you're sitting pretty late in the waiver. However, in the rookie draft, a lot of guys sit on their guys. Right. Um, you know, I'd say typically at least probably half the league at least sits on their guys to the rookie draft. So right. uh, do you see yourself for sure sitting on Sixto and Kumar Rocker or yeah. are, are there a couple of guys out there that you would say, Hey, if that guy gets to me, I'm willing to to drop one of these guys to, to get him. Um, honestly, it, it wouldn't be a rookie per se, like one of the guys that haven't been caught up. What, but if it is someone that I think that could help my team, you know, that still hasn't, you know, met the, the, the bat requirements or the pitching requirements. And then, mm -hmm. then I think maybe I could take a flyer on it and, you know, just kind of, you know, nip it in the butt with Kumar. You know, I definitely don't want to lose Sixto yet because I think he at least he's shown some promise, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But if if I don't really see anybody there, you know, that I can help, like I don't want a younger guy. I don't want like someone who, you know, who's just signed and hasn't been called up yet because I think those top guys are going to be taken early in the way in, in the rookie draft. Um, but if I don't see anything that's going to help me, you know, for this specific year. Um, I'll just sit on it and I'll just, and I'll just keep those two in my slot. And I, I didn't think about this until you mentioned it. Uh, you know, and it makes sense. Cause it's like six is actually close to the majors. Like he may pitch in the majors, you know, Kumar right. definitely won't this year uh, right. for somebody like you, who's missing a lot of draft picks. A lot of times that can be like an extra fifth or sixth round pick. If you're getting exactly. a guy who, you know, is going to be up right away and is getting full-time at bats or is in a rotation, um, you know, and has some upside obviously, cause you don't know what he is yet, but you know, at right. least somebody who's a, a roster piece. Right. And especially when he was pitching, he, he was lights out. He was getting double digit, you know, strikeout games and he, he was looking really, really good. And then, you know, he's been out, you know, the good last 12, 14 weeks of the year. So I think he's had a good time to recover and, you know, hopefully I get him at the beginning of the year. Things go well in spring training for him. And, you know, I have a full year out of him. And like you said, I, I think it, 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 it's a lot of value for my team because it's kind of looking like at, as someone that would be probably drafted high, somebody would be willing to take the risk if he was available in the draft.
whether it's rookie or regular. So, um, you know, hopefully he can help me. This especially, year. especially with all the Philly fans in our right. league and being a former right. Phillies prospect. Right. And that's why that's when I had him before he actually got <laughs> traded for real Muto. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we'll see. Ian, any other questions about Ricky's team? I got one more uh, I wrote down I want to ask you about, and it kind of sure. goes back to the keeper discussion. He's a guy – I just want to ask you your thoughts about him in general, if he's on the bubble, what your thoughts. Cabrian Hayes. So, And the reason yes. I bring him up is that I was a big Cabrian Hayes fan going into last year. I thought – I remember going to the rookie draft. There was, you know, padded number one, and he was all happy with Rosarena. And I probably going into it – I. I thought they were equal value for different reasons. And I probably would have leaned going Cabrian Hayes is the most valuable guy in that draft. I think, you know, a ton of potential now, unfortunately he just had, I feel like a really bad luck year. He was, he did so well in the short season, you know, crushed the ball. Obviously you're going to expect some regression, but he got hurt early on, had a late start, never really kind of seemed to get his legs underneath him, so to speak. Uh, so what, what's your thoughts about him? Yeah. So um, I, I had a, keep him away from that rookie draft because I knew, you know, he was going to be up there and I, I, I wasn't going to have a chance to get him. So I kept him going into last year. Um, it, it, it's tough, you know, and then he got, he got hurt. I had so many great offers from, you know, a lot of, Oh yeah. I know. Guys, yeah. He was <laughs> a lot of guys reached out, you know, saying I want him, I want him badly. And, and, you know, and maybe I should have done it at that time. I think it, it might have helped me, you know, make a push because, you know, I did lose a lot of them and he really didn't start kind of getting, you know, his legs back under him, kind of, so to speak, towards the end of the year. But I think it was a little too late. But, um, yeah, he's on, he's on the bubble for me. Um, what, what makes it hard is because he, he just has so much upside, you know. And, and like, I already did keep him the year before. Am I just going to kind of wash my hands with that and then, you know, kind of regret it later on? Um, that's It's hard to say. Um, I'm, I'm leaning towards keeping him, but, you know, I know if I do – somebody's going to have to drop it. It's either going to have to be smell. It's like, do I keep him over Mount Castle? Do I, you know, just say, Hey, you know, maybe keep Mount Castle in him and step back on Marte. It's, it's really hard to say right now. You know, I'm glad that I still have a little bit of time to think about it, but um, he's, he's definitely a guy that, you know, he's going to be a part of the list on potential keepers for sure. Yeah. I feel like that's, that's a really hard decision just because obviously so young, uh, right. you know, he, yeah. He and he even, you know, he could even need to add a handful of stolen bases. He could be potentially high batting average, you know, kind of contribute a little bit everywhere. Uh, and like I said, looks so good to start, but obviously last year was just a rough year. Right, right. I agree. Yeah, so we'll we'll see. You know, I think he definitely has, you know, the tools to get it done. And you know, he was a hot commodity, and you know, talked about not it's, only in it's fantasy, cra- but it's crazy with regular baseball. The, the young players how quickly the value changes, and that right. you know. Somebody who was so quick. valuable 12 months ago is, you know, yeah. Right. Yeah, I agree. So, Ricky, sure. again, I don't get to hear a lot from you. You've been in the league. <laughs> you've been in the league six years now, which is kind of crazy to think about. I uh, know. You've gotten to know us and everyone in the league itself. You came in with a lot of swagger, confidence, accolades, Josh talking about, you know, how all your yeah. success in other leagues, et cetera. So I'm curious how you see your place in this league. And I'll, I'll say right from the get-go, who are you a better fantasy manager than in our league? 
<laughs> that's a tough just 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 did you guys ask duty did you guys ask duty those questions just don't worry about that just <laughs> um is, is he well, the first one to that answer, comes to mind to answer no nah. <laughs> well well i'm gonna i'm gonna say pat because i want to have that war going into next year I, that might uh, be fair yeah, yeah. Uh, i i want to say pat i i really think that this past year you know, it, it, it took a while for me to build this team. You know, the team that was originally handed to me, you know, I had to blow it up. You know, I had to make these moves for Lindor to, to get Javi, you know, hit on Walker, you know, Rick, things like Ricky that. And, did Ricky inherit – whose team did he inherit? I forget who I inherited. But I'm they, trying to – oh, it was Bard. There, was it Brian's? Maybe. It yep. had to have been Brian's. Oh, oh man. <laughs> I don't remember. I still it was, guys. Sorry, all right. That's gonna break up something else. But yeah, all right. Sorry, oh, go man. ahead, Ricky. <laughs> no, and regardless, the the team that I was handed was was terrible. So I I mean, it it was kind of hard to just it jump didn't have right Troy in. Troy Tulowitzki on it. <laughs> <laughs> it it was kind of hard just to jump right in and and, and so just I do think remember, that I was going to. I do remember this now. So because we were talking about before you were on at the beginning, we were talking about how you got into the league and how you right. kind of inadvertently forced the 14 team expansion which we really like about the league and it worked out great because we were going back and forth on whether you or bill were going to be added and i remember this now because i remember you remember the interview kind of sit down you had at timothy's it was like me jamie speed and probably perry cool. i think it was us four yeah so, and i remember like i remember jamie i think printed out the sheet of brian's roster and like handed it over to you and i remember you looking <laughs> at it you were like Oh man, like you know, the look on your face wasn't great. <laughs> right. And I knew and I knew going in, I was like, man, these guys are gonna probably think I suck, you know. And because I know Perry talked me up. Perry was like, Yeah, let me yeah. bring some some Latino flavor to this league. And that was pretty cool though. At Timothy's, you guys definitely put me through like an interview process. So like at that point, I knew like I was getting myself involved in a good league. You know, you guys, you guys take it pretty seriously. Even my girlfriend was like, Man, you guys are on this. I'm listening to podcasts, you know, left and right. And <laughs> Um, you know, I, I think it's pretty neat, but, but yeah, just, well, just to kind of, it's answer. good to hear you're a loyal listener to the podcast. Oh yeah. Yeah. Ricky. I don't miss one. Uh, Ricky, uh, I need, I need four names, Ricky, four <laughs> names of people. Well, that he's got Pat. Pat's, he's one. Got Pat. Pat's one. Yeah. Pat's one. You, you know, Brennan, Brennan Perry duty gotta be the, the mix there. All right. Um, yeah, All right. you know, I'm not trying to throw out shots, you know, duty's my brother, that's, but, um, that's what this uh, show's about, Ricky. You gotta plant yeah. your flag. Who knows? No. Who knows more? Who knows more about basketball? You or Duty? Oh, man, that's. A, I mean, he he he's a coach. I mean, we. They, I, I don't want to. I don't want to get into that. You know, I'm going to keep this baseball for now. <laughs> Ricky, um, keep in mind we I, I we know what Ricky said. Well. We know what Duty said about you on his podcast. So, oh keep boy, in mind, he he might have taken some shots. You better make sure uh, you get get some shots. Oh in. no. Oh no. Yeah. I mean, I've been playing basketball since I was but a little we, kid. I, I definitely have a, a different love for the game, but. Um, yeah, me and Duty talk basketball all the time, even on the side. So if he wants to take some cheap shots, I let him have it. Oh, you know, I'll man. get him. I'll I'll get him in the season when it matters. <laughs> I like know. that. I like that. <laughs> but yeah, kind of kind of to answer your question, Jamie. Um, honestly, you know, like like I said, it it, it took me a little while to kind of build and mold the team the, the way that I wanted. And I think like last year, you know, I kind of have that core now that that I was looking to build. And you know, I, I truly think that I have the roster. And, you know, the strategy to kind of maintain this for, for years going forward and, you know, able to make the playoffs and, and possibly, you know, make a, make a bigger run come playoff time. Yeah, man, I think you just need to make that adjustment that those right. teams that are good do that make the playoffs multiple years in a row to 
deal yep. with that lack of draft capital and uh, those tough yeah. decisions. And, and the way to deal with that is, you know, I always say it's like the draft picks, the draft picks don't matter as much if you have the right keeper set. Obviously right. you, the hardest thing is nailing, like we talked about those, those three decisions out of that group of five or six guys and right. you know, that'll be the hardest thing it's like your your top end guys are are you know as good as they get very solid um Lindor and Javi I'm not as hot on but I get why you hold on to them but yeah the biggest thing will be definitely making those those important decisions on those three uh the three other keepers yeah, and to kind of piggyback off that too, Goody, it's also going to be, you know, managing throughout the year. And I think that's what I did, you know. I think that's what helped me, you know, because I, I see how you guys manage it and being on top of these waivers and, you know, being sometimes up at 3 or 4 in the morning just to make sure that you might need a die or a pickup for that day and, you know, maximizing your starts and, and stuff like that. So I think last year, you know, I kind of honed in on that, and I think that helped me from prior years. Um, so I think if I kind of, you know, stay with that mindset and, like everything else you mentioned, I, I, that think, is, I think I could have a good year. I that's definitely year. an aspect of it, of staying on. Uh, right. You know, it's like you're, yeah, it's the, the in-season management is, is just as important. Right. Yeah. I don't want to be a one hit wonder like duty. So. <laughs> yeah, <man. laughs> well, we're no, looking no, forward to see, see your growth as a fantasy player. See you make those adjustments. Uh, appreciate having you on tonight and talking through your, uh, your team. Thanks, yeah, man. no problem. I appreciate you guys. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Ricky. No problem. Talk to you guys later. All right, guys. Have All a good night. All, right. All right, you too.